Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line KINY. And good morning, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio today, I have CBJ City Manager Katie Kester. Now, this is actually our first time getting a chance to chat. So first, how are you? I'm doing well. It's cold, but beautiful out there, Jordan. That is always very much the case, especially right now. Be careful with those cold temperatures out there. Now, my first question for you really is, how has it been since you've become city manager? Because I haven't had a chance to talk with you since you initially took that role until now. Yeah, well, I am uh, month month four on the job, and to say I'm still getting my feet under me is an understatement, but, you know, really have a very supportive assembly, um, a high-performing staff, so um, I think it's been as, as uh, good as it can be, and uh, really, it's really an exciting position to be able to, you know, be so involved in uh, the community of Juneau. Right. Now, on that front, and was the transition smooth for you? You know, I was fortunate that uh, coming from the Engineering and Public Works Department, where I was uh, the director for three years, familiar with Juno. I also used to work for the legislature, so I've been coming to Juno for uh, about the last 20 years. Um, and before I uh, came to Juno, I was a city manager in my hometown, Homer, Alaska. So the combined experience of, of kind of knowing what the city manager's job is about and knowing this community, I think really uh, set me up well, and I'm grateful for that. Gotcha. Now, on that front, there are a couple more city-focused topics I want to ask you about. And the first one, which I'm sure is very present on a lot of folks' minds, is that budget deficit that is facing the school district. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I think um, it's it, it's extremely concerning and troubling. The school district is so important to our economy, to our community. I have children in the school district, but I know this community will not uh, allow the school district to fail. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Superintendent Hauser and the current school board, and I, I want to let the uh, community know that this is the top priority for the assembly right now, too. So although there's not a lot that CBJ can do, because, of course, we already fund the school to the cap, uh, assembly members will be looking under every rock and uh, and help looking at ways that we can help the school district uh, get through uh, this situation. Gotcha. That was actually going to be one of my questions for you is what are the ways that we can even look at trying to make up that deficit? Because like you said, it's already funded the cap. The city itself cannot give more money in that capacity. So what really are the options? Yeah, I mean, that's really a, a good question for uh, for the school district and for Superintendent Hauser. Um, you know, obviously, they will be looking at cuts and with 90% of their uh, budget being um, personnel services, staffing cuts will, will be something they're looking at. But um, from the assembly's perspective, uh, we're going to look at all of the potential shared services that uh, we, we could help the uh, school district out. Um, we're going to look at even just lending staff support as we try to uh, problem solve um, the, the deficit and, and how to get out of it. Okay. Now, my next question is obviously we had the assembly meeting on Monday. Now, there are a few ordinances in specific I want to talk to you about, which was that there's about over $3 million going towards affordable housing in the that was brought up in the meeting on Monday. So talk to me about that. Where is the some of those thoughts coming from, and why, why we need to put that much money into affordable housing, and kind of talk to me more about that process. Yeah. So the affordable housing fund, 
Um, it's on round three. And the Affordable Housing Fund is uh, a fund that the city and borough of Juneau has been funding to promote uh, housing in Juneau. And uh, housing is, I would say, the top priority of the assembly. Um, although your listeners know how hard it is to find housing here and how expensive it is. And so we uh, had a couple of really strong projects this year. And um, the assembly is uh, introduced ordinances to award loans, totaling a little over $3 million to both of those projects. So private developers developing um, uh, housing projects that include affordability components. And we'll be talking about uh, that, uh, the affordable housing fund and those loans at the uh, January 29th Committee of the Whole, if listeners are interested. Um, so just a way, uh, it's a tool that the Assembly can use to uh, promote more housing development in our community. Okay. Now, the big thing for me is always, when it comes to trying to think figure out housing, and you know, I had this conversation with Wade as well, which is where are we going to put it? That has sort of been always the big question in my eyes. It's like, where else are you going to be able to develop and put more housing at? You know, it's a great question. We are uh, limited with these gorgeous mountains that surround us on all sides. There are, you know, pockets of um, available land for development, and that's why it's important to encourage that development through programs like low-interest loans, tax abatement. So you, you'll you'll find there's little pockets throughout Juno. You know, I think one of our most um, uh, encouraging investments for long-term development of housing would be Juno uh, Douglas North Crossing. So the city's actively working on a project for a, a second bridge to Douglas, and that would open up a lot of developable land uh, to housing. So we have uh, funding uh, for uh, design of that project, and it's going through a uh, uh, study process looking at many different alternatives now that should be wrapping up um, this, sometime this summer. Uh, that doesn't mean we'll have a preferred alter- alternative this summer, but there'll be lots of opportunities for the public to participate in that conversation as we move forward. But I really think that uh, that's a key to accessing more developable land for housing. Okay, and then now that you've brought that up, you know, when we talk about, you know, getting that, that new uh, working on that new crossing through the study, by connecting those two areas, where I'm um, I guess the question for me is then how would that increase the immediate kind of housing development opportunities there? Because obviously adding the new crossing is also good, at least in my eyes, from a safety perspective, because say something happens to the bridge we have now, well, you'd have another crossing. So then that still maintains the ability for Doug- people who are living on Douglas to reconnect back into town. It could help with safety, cert- like the emergency services, fire department, the police department can move in there. But give me an example of specifically how that could help with the housing part. Yeah, so you're right. Safety is probably the number one reason uh, because if that bridge were to go out, we'd have a lot of stranded residents and emergency services would be a huge issue. But there was about 900 acres of developable land over in Douglas um, that, you know, is 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 easier to develop, I should say, as in it's flatter and drier than uh, some of the land we have on um, this side of the channel. And uh, CBJ actually is doing a study to answer just those questions. Like, okay, well, what would it take to develop that? Would it be uh, less expensive? So um, really, uh, I think the fact that the, the property there uh, would be uh, cheaper for developers to develop. And then if you had that secondary access, that would make it more convenient for residents, right, to, to, to live there. Right now, it's just a long way. There, there is a lot of people who live out in uh, North Douglas, but it's a long commute for them. So making that um, more convenient, safer access, I think, would be a really uh, good thing for our housing market. Okay. 
And then before we move on from that one, I did want to double check. Were there any particular locations that were still kind of the main ones that they were looking at in that study for where that crossing would be at? Or is that still kind of up in the air? Yeah, so there's still four loca- four primary locations. That's Mendenhall Peninsula, Sunny Point, Vanderbilt, and Salmon Creek. Uh, so if you go to the DOT Google uh, Juno Douglas North Crossing uh, DOT, and you will find the Pell study that has a graphics on those different alternatives and the timeline for public process. Okay. Now, because I still want to talk a bit more about housing, when it comes to, you know, we all, we're talking about that affordable housing. We're talking about, you know, single unit or kind of lower income housing. And I think the big thing I always want to talk about in that regard is why it's important to develop that housing Versus like just say like your stand I, I say standard like it's a common practice like some of the higher houses that we have out in the, the valley are kind of on Douglas as well because oftentimes that's I think again the affordability aspect is the really big thing here I remember I think I was looking through housing and properties kind of the other day and there's barely anything that goes below like in my eyes it barely goes below three hundred thousand most places in town if it is it's usually land which is, you know, if you're going to develop something like that, that's fine. But then you also have, like, very rarely you'll see a trailer or, you know, a mobile home open up that you could then go for lower there, which is still a completely valid option. But it's the fact that those options really aren't present, I think, is the thing that stands out to me. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The reality is Juno needs all sectors of housing, right? We need housing for uh, families, um, higher-end housing, and, and we need affordable housing. But where government should be um, helping is in the, those affordability components. The, the market usually cares for the higher-end housing and uh, finding ways to encourage uh, private developers to develop affordable housing. You know, that's going to bring our workforce into here. That's going to bring our teachers, our nurses um, into our community uh, and, and really help uh, maintain the vitality of our community. So that's why having that... Um, wide spectrum of housing is so important. Gotcha. Well, on that, we are going to have to move into our break. When we come back, I'll have some more questions for you. You are all listening to Action Line on KINY. And welcome back to Action Line on KINY. Joining me still here in the studio, I have City Manager Katie Kester. Now, during the break, we were kind of kind of chatting about some of the other things going on, and you mentioned that you're getting ready to talk about the Assembly's priorities for this year. So talk to me about those. Kind of what are the big things that the assembly is aiming for. Yeah, so the assembly actually goes through a, a pretty thorough process in December, uh, talking through their uh, assembly goals every year. And you can find that document on the assembly's homepage. And they're going to uh, adopt that uh, for 2024 at the January 29th Committee of the Whole. So if people are interested, tune in. The top priorities for the assembly for 2024 are really consistent. Housing, of course, which we just talked about, uh, child care, and uh, managing tourism in a sustainable way. So those are three three aspects that um, are really dedicating a, a lot of uh, assembly time and attention to. Okay, so give me a, give me a couple of those specific topics. I know I'm sure housing's on there, but I'm sure there's more than just housing. Yeah, so you know, with housing, of course, we have the affordable housing fund. We also have a commitment from the assembly to do some major code rewrites to uh, make our code both easier to understand by the developers, but also by the public who are just trying to make improvements to their homes. That we feel like is really going to be helpful. Uh, Childcare. Uh, is a priority for uh, the assembly. It's one of the biggest challenges we've had 
in this post-COVID environment is uh, getting our workforce back because of the, the child care uh, demands for our residents, and, and this is a national issue. So uh, we, we dedicate uh, resources to help supplement wages for child care providers. We have a program through AEYC that provides funding uh, if people want to start up child care businesses, and the Assembly also supports uh, parents as teachers, which is a, um, a program, a state-funded program that the state doesn't doesn't fund to the the full capacity. The assembly just approved that at the last finance committee meeting. So just recognizing that child care is really important to our economy. Um, and then the, the the next priority I mentioned is managing tourism in a sustainable way. We, of course, have a negotiated five-ship limit uh, coming into this tourism season, which will mean that our visitorship will remain stable from last year at 1.6 million. But I think a lot of people were, uh, you know, chafing at that, that number and really felt that volume. So um, the Assembly is dedicated to looking at ways to continue to um, – Manage the impacts of tourism, right? Manage kind of where where our visitors go um, and how they impact our residents who are just trying to kind of live their their daily lives. And there's a real balancing act there. Okay. Now, talking a bit about the the tourism aspect, because you mentioned, you know, kind of felt like with that amount of people, there was kind of some some chafing going on there. And every time I talked about tourism, you know, last year, there was a lot of those conversations from some folks being like, there's too many people. And then other folks being like, no, we need more people because it's good for the, the city economy. Where is the assembly really standing on that? Yeah, well, there's no question that uh, tourism is good for our economy, and we saw sales tax returns up because of that. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it comes at a cost, at a, a cost to our, our residents. So I think the assembly really is comfortable with the uh, the level of tourism that we have if we can manage it better and um, you know the level we have maybe a little maybe a little bit less uh, is it, kind of where where they're headed they certainly appreciate that um, again acknowledge that it's really important to our economy but how we manage those impacts um, is going to be really key to how our residents uh, experience the impacts of tourism and so that will be a big focus of 2024. Okay. Now, could you give me maybe an example of like how that could be managed? Yeah. So some of the things that we're looking at are, uh, we have a study um, out to look at um, where do we want our visitors to go? Do we want them to be kind of dispersed more in the community? Or do we want to be channeling larger volumes to specific, uh, you know, trails and recreational opportunities so that they're they're more concentrated? So we should be getting information back on that. Um, certainly the um, the work that Eagle Crest is doing on a go- on the gondola to provide a alternative uh, uh, outlet for uh, for visitors uh, will be helpful. We've been working with the Forest Service on their uh, plans to um, uh, update the uh, Mendenhall Glacier because that that really is the marquee attraction of our community and making sure people can get there. Uh, on, through the through their uh, their the the tourism services that are provided through the the, the shuttle services that are provided by our, our local businesses um, is really important because that draws a lot of people to um, to one location and really helps us manage those impacts. Okay, now you. I'm trying to. Hmm. Well, I think I've lost my train of thought there. Hmm. That's unfortunate. Now. My, my next, I want to circle back to, uh, to child care for a bit here. Now, what are some of the, the ideas that the city is thinking about how to tackle that on that front? Because that's another one that we've been talking, you know, in and out about how much of an issue that that's been. 
Yeah. So, you know, aside from the the programs that I mentioned, um, really it's about uh, supporting uh, supporting private sector and nonprofit sector efforts in child care. It, you know, it's, it's something that it's hard for uh, the city to take a direct role in. So one of those things is helping with AEYC. Um, that's a, a local uh, program that is looking at space for um, for child care uh, and, and really supports child care. So partnering with AEYC on their programming. I mean, I think it would be wonderful if we could find uh, more space to provide child care in this community. I don't think we've figured that one out, but I think that would definitely be uh, a goal uh, of the community to find um find community space for child care. Our deputy city manager, Robert Barr, participates in the state child care task force. So he's very active on a state level, too, on, you know, promoting solutions to, to child care. Because as I mentioned, it's a it's a problem for the state and for the nation. I, it's on the U.S. Chamber's uh, list of top priorities because that's how important it affects our workforce and our economy. Most definitely. Now, I do remember where I was going before. <laughs> I do remember that, which was the gondola, because that's another... Uh, I will say heated topic of conversation for a lot of folks. I think particularly the most recent thing is the fact that there's going to be, they need to order some more parts beyond what they already had. So talk to me a bit about that if, you, if you're able to, of course. Sure. I mean, I, I guess um, the, the most recent action by the assembly was to approve alternative procurement for uh, that project. Um, to basically just a, a way of um, saying we'll be entering into an agreement early with a contractor to try to mitigate some of the risk and some of the cost on that and that project, which is fairly common. Um, the project is purchasing other, uh, additional parts. Basically, we bought a, a used gondola and uh, need to uh, buy some more parts and pieces to be able to make that uh, used gondola fit in our terrain. And so that is... Um, that, that contract is underway to, to keep that project moving, still all within the existing budget. Gotcha. I think part of the concern with that was if we knew we were going to need those parts, why would we have not ordered them when we initially got the rest of the gondola? I think that's where a lot of the concern is coming from. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think, you know, um, with any complex project, you know more when you've invested more money and resources in design. So um, as the design progresses on this uh, project, there's just, um, you know, more uh, more that we know and, and more uh, that pieces that we have to, to work on to, to put together. So most projects are like that. You know, you, you spend more money on design, you have a, a greater level of certainty on what you need to accomplish the project. And, and I would say that's the same for this project. Okay. Now, we don't have too much time left here. So I want to kind of, what are some of the big priorities, at least for you going into this year for the city to achieve as the city manager? Yeah, well, thank you for asking that. Um, the assembly priorities are my priorities because, of course, I work uh, for the assembly, and um, you know, I, I feel like that compass is really important in my in my daily uh, how I da- assign my time daily. But I will tell you personally, one thing I really value is communication. And Jordan, I know you do too. Uh, but everything from making sure that we get uh, our packets out timely to the public, I'd love to see. Um, you know, ways that we can reach the public more where they're at. You know, we in some ways have a communication uh, paradigm that's 50 years old, right? 
and it, and some of that's in our statutes and in our ordinances. But how can we be more creative and um, recognize that the world receives information in different ways? And there's a lot of com- uh, competition for information, and we need to uh, reach people where they're at. And maybe that's using social media differently. Maybe that's even um, going out, to, uh, you know, into the community and. Um, for the crossing project, for example, uh, we had people um, staffed at uh, at grocery stores and public spaces. So really for me, um, finding ways to make our communication with our, our residents and our communication internally as an organization better uh, would, would be kind of my um, my goal, I guess you would say. Okay. And I think that's a fair one. Communication, as I'm sure folks would guess my opinion on that, would be communication is quite important. If you can properly communicate what you want to do, that can, at least in theory, because you can't guarantee it, sort of mitigate potential misunderstandings between between parties. Obviously, there's always going to be people who get upset about things, which is kind of, I would say, pretty standard fare nowadays, which is kind of how that is. But by improving that communication, hopefully that can get, you know, allow more people to be like, yes, I can contact the city if I have an issue, but then by the same token, the city can be like, okay, I know I've properly informed all the public and our constituents about what we need to do. Now we are out of time, but I do want to thank you, Katie, for coming in and having this opportunity to chat with me this month. Thank you, Jordan. All righty. You've all been listening to Cap, uh, not Cap, Action Line on KINY. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. K-I-N-Y.